So today we are on the fifth and final part of the conversation we've been having the last couple of weeks called a resurrection movement. In this season of Eastertide, which is the season between Resurrection Sunday and Pentecost Sunday, um, our focus has been on how the church can best embody the presence of the resurrected Christ. A set of practices um, that will continue to shape them to be, to be transformed into Christ-likeness, to experience the life and love of Christ fully, and also to be a presence of life and love in the world around us. That's why we are calling it a resurrection movement. That's what the church is supposed to be. So among the things we've talked about is fellowship, turning to one another in this journey in genuine ways, extending hospitality and friendship and kindness. Yeah, that our posture is always to turn to one another and connect meaningfully and serve one another. So fellowship is a core practice of that. Then we talked about discipleship. You know, Jesus insisted over and over again that the point was to follow him. Yeah, that was his greatest emphasis to the very end. So we are invited as a people and as a church to know him, to commune with him, to encounter him, to learn his ways, to follow his guiding. And we also say that at the heart of discipleship is venturing out into a life of love guided by Jesus. The next practice was worship. Um, as a resurrection practice, worship is responding to the living God who's here now. And here now is every moment you find yourself in to respond to that living God fully, openly, right? So whether you'll do it through song. Uh, that Sunday we said it's, it goes beyond the particulars of your worship to the posture of your heart. And you can have your heart in such a way that you're worshiping throughout. It's, it's about openness and humility where you can encounter God genuinely throughout. After worship, we talked about partnership, which is joining God in the work of the renewal and transformation and healing of all things. Um, it involves sharing God's story, but it also involves working creatively towards the healing of all that is broken, all of us together. That was what we were talking about last week, uh, partnership, which is another word for mission. And finally, today we look at stewardship. Yeah, And also, just to let you know, these practices, um, when the church throughout the years has come together and asked themselves, what is the function of the church? Yeah, They came up with those five things. Fellowship, discipleship, worship, um, mission, and stewardship, eventually. Yeah, so today we look at, 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 steward, at stewardship. And also just to say uh, a lot of this conversation, uh, we, are we are inspired by a book called We Make the Road by Walking that is written by Brian McLaren. And I want to begin with a question. How do you experience life? How have you experienced life lately? Yeah. Is life fruitful and full or is it low yielding and empty? Yeah, and, and what are the measures? What are the indicators of how you're experiencing life? In the early years of Christianity, um, 
there were some people who decided to step away from society and move to the wildernesses and, and, and set up communes where they, they would devote their lives to seeking God. Yeah, The rest of society, they deemed that it was headed in a direction of dis distracting them from the way of the faith, and so they stepped aside. So there were these communes, they were called, they eventually came to be called the Desert Fathers and the Desert Mothers. And... Um, when we read history, there are so many stories that come from that era. They are like parables as they tried to seek what the true way is. So there's this story that I like. Um, they used to call themselves Abots and Abesses. So Abot, Abot Lot, went to Abot Joseph and said, Father, according as I am able, I have kept my little rule, my little fast, my prayer, meditation, and contemplative silence. And according as I am able, I strive to cleanse my heart of bad thoughts. Now, what more should I do? The elder rose up, opened his hands towards the heavens, and his fingers became like lamps of fire, and he said, why not become all flame? Why not become all flame? Yeah. Why not have a blazingly full life? Why not add more love and light to this world with each and every day you're alive more than you found it? Yeah. So what does that look like? What does that look like to be, to be all flame, right? I know we don't feel like this every day. I heard someone say that sometimes I feel like I do the work of two days in two hours. Other times, I feel like I do the work of two hours in two days. Anybody ever felt like that? <laughs> I think I have seasons like those, right? On the other hand, I came across a story of a gentleman called Thomas Edison, the inventor. You've, you may, you've heard him, I'm sure, right? Yeah, so it is, there's a fun fact that Thomas Edison never slept at night. He believed that time was too precious to sleep. What did he do? He took naps during the day and worked throughout the night. He's quoted to have said that most of the time, opportunity is missed because it comes wearing an overall and labeled as work. Yeah, so that was his approach to life. And eventually, he went ahead to file two 1,300 patents in his life, 2,300 inventions. After all, that's what you do when you can't sleep, right? <laughs> what a man, what a man, what a life. Another gentleman called Thomas, uh, sorry, Albert Einstein, the great physicist, he won the Nobel Prize of Physics in 1921 at the age of 40. Um, or in his early 40s. You'd think that after winning the Nobel Prize of Physics, you know, you've risen to the top echelons, the best physicists there are, right? And you can slow down to life. No, 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 no. He didn't slow down. He continued working long, arduous hours every day of his life into his 80s. And at some point, as he was growing older, he developed a heart condition. And his doctor told him, if you continue like this, you will die. Do you know what he told his daughter? So be it. And he continued 
working really, really hard. In 1955, it is said that he, he had a heart episode. And so his assistants rushed him to hospital. And as he was leaving his office, he grabbed a speech that he was working on because he was going to be interviewed uh, by an Israeli TV. Yeah? And so as he was going to hospital, he was editing the speech. In the ER, he was editing his speech as they were trying to check him. And guess what? He died. He died in the ER that day. Doing what? Editing while working on his speech. So when we think about stewardship, I'm not calling you today to be like Edison, not to sleep, or like Einstein, uh, but we're called to live our lives to the full, each life, each path, to fully blossom. And when you think about that, there's an idea of, you, you can't miss the idea, the word stewardship in all its aspect. So Brian McLaren states in the book that we make the road by walking that, um, he says this statement, in reflection on stewardship. What's yours is mine, some people say, and I want to steal it. What's mine is mine, others say, and I want to keep it. What's mine is God's, we learn to say, and I want to use it for the common good. We call that stewardship. At the heart of stewardship is the idea we, we begin realizing that all that we are, all that we have is God's. At the heart of stewardship is beginning with the question of whose are you? Yeah, and whose is everything that you have? You begin there and the answer is God's. And then you respond by saying, we want to use it and channel it out for the common good. So I found the words of 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 11, very insightful towards this. Very insightful towards this, and that's what I want to us to reflect on in the coming, in the next few minutes. 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11. It reads, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, and that's the word of the Lord. Um, he begins by this fascinating phrase, the end of all things is near. It is said that the early church uh, really grappled or really focused with uh, focused on uh, the ending of things. At some point when Jesus was walking the earth, he said that some of you here will not taste death before the coming of the Son of Man. And so they grappled with what does that mean? Does that mean it will end before our lifetime? And so some of them believed, you know, it was a, a, a huge focus. Um, and it really puzzled them when some of them began dying of old age. Ah, people are dying. And so they thought they, they, there's a lot more to this. So 
the book of the, the, the letter of first Peter was written by Peter while he was in Rome. It is believed in AD 62. A lot was happening at that time. There was an emperor who was quite uh, radical and, 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 and a, little ma a lot mad, I think. And uh, he was just causing a lot of chaos. And, and so he began sensing that there's a lot of upheaval around the empire. And so he decided to write a letter to Christians he knew who were spread around the regions, perhaps encouraging them how they are supposed to respond and live fully in uncertain times. And so that's what the, the letter of First Peter is. Yeah, if you read it, you're going to find a lot of comfort. And, and here's the thing, we live in such times, right? It's been a lot strange lately. Yeah, since COVID happened, things have not been ceased being strange. Every time we go into stranger and stranger, moments, right? Right now, the economy is quite in a complex state. You're, you look at the people who are responsible and you're glad you're not them because you can't find a solution. So we, we are living in uncertain times. And, and, and perhaps that's what Peter means when he says the end of all things is near. Things are changing. It's hard to tell where things are going next. Um, and so these words, are important to us as they were in for the believers who received them. And then he goes on to say, therefore, be serious and discipline yourself for the sake of your prayers, for the sake of prayers. I love how the message version of the Bible frames that word, th that sentence. It begins by saying, everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. In times like this, in times when things are complex, in times when you can't peace or anticipate the next step or what the next season will look like, the best posture is to stay wide awake in prayer is to stay, have a posture of anticipating God's presence and God's guidance. Throughout the scripture, he continues to promise over and over again that he's with us. He's our shepherd. Perhaps we should not be so overwhelmed in trying to figure out what the future holds or what's next. Instead, yeah, take nothing for granted and stay wide awake in prayer. Prayer comes to, works for us in two ways. First of all, even the scriptures say, yeah, present your request to God yeah, with prayer and supplication. We are human beings, and to be human is to be in need. None of us is without need. We are all in need. So by all means, present your request to God as much as you can. But there's also another aspect of prayer, which is simply being in communion with God, basking in God's presence, soaking God's presence, right? When we read the stories of Jesus, we read again and again that he would step away from the crowds and simply pray. Yeah. Jesus himself was in need of God. He needed God's presence. And, and here's what happens when we sit in God's presence. He begins to work in our lives in ways that we didn't even know we needed. Yeah? You can come up with a list and pray to God according to that list, but there's a lot more. Yeah? There's a lot more you need in your life that you don't even know that you need. And so by all means, let us make our request to God, but then let us learn to commune with God, to be 
just silent, to be open to God's presence, right? So the end of all things is near. Stay awake, don't take anything for granted, and let's begin with prayer. Uh, in times like this, be prayerful. See what God is saying over you, over your life, right? Because the who you are becoming right now, yeah, is the who that will be active in the next moment. And so you want as much as you can to be shaped and transformed by God's presence so that you can continue shaping and transforming the next moment, the next, the, the spaces you find yourselves in with God's power. So he says, be serious and disciplined. Take nothing for granted. You know, in times like this, it's easy to be distracted and overwhelmed by many things. It's easy for us to lose our minds. In fact, someone was, a commentary was saying, the actual Greek translation of that phrase said, do not be insane, okay? Do not be insane. So it's, uh, but English, I don't know whether it sanitizes it, says be serious and, and disciplined, right? In moments like this, it's easy to go helter-skelter everywhere. Um, so we are being called to be attentive, to be disciplined, to focus on God. And that's what prayer does. It focuses us on the main thing. And then the next thing that Peter writes is above all, above all, right? Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Whatever you do, let it be for the end goal of loving one another more than we have done before. The people in your lives, the people you encounter, how can you increasingly be that growing, loving human being? It is easy in moments of pressure and uncertainty to be closed in, to focus on just this one life that is ahead of you. After all, who is not overwhelmed in such days? Anyone? Anyone who's not busy? Anyone who's not one, who's not feeling the squeeze of the economy? Anyone? We're all like that. And it's easy. It's easy to just say, wow, it's time to consolidate and take care of me very well and my people. Yeah. But we're told, no, 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 that's not the end goal. Whatever you can do, how can you show greater and greater love to others? And love is always practical. Kindness goodness, service. Yeah, that's what Peter is calling us to. Um, what would it look like for you to wake up each day with a goal of growing into a more loving person in all you do? For you to practice love in a greater way each day with your family, in your workplace, because that's what we're being called, called at. So you see why we need to be attentive and not to lose our mind, yeah? To be prayerful because we can't do this out of our own effort, yeah? And then we step into the work of love. And then Paul continues and says, be hospitable to, Peter, sorry, be hospitable to one another without complaining. I think this is adding and emphasizing love. Peter knows and insists that at the heart of all things, it's who and how we are to one another. That's all that matters. We will do many things, we will accomplish many things, but at the end of the day, it's who you are and how you are to one another. And so he says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. 
a few weeks ago when we were talking about fellowship, we talked about hospitality. And after the sermon, Joey came to me and told me, I'm reading this book. And hospitality is, def and it defines, and there's this quote in that book that says, following Jesus comes with a house key. And that, that, that was very funny, that if you're a follower of Jesus, yeah, you know, your house key is put to service. Open that house, welcome people, right? Um, that is one of the ways, the most primary ways we understand hospitality, having people around, hosting them and connecting with them. But the definition that I like about hospitality is uh, making space for one another. Certainly you can have people in your house, but you can make space for another in your life, in your everyday moment. Um, you can move past, you can always seek to move past that hurried hi. How are you? Fine. Most, most, most of it ends there, right? You can seek to move, uh, to move past that. And do you know what it takes? It takes slowing down, it takes intentionality, it takes being there, being saying that I'm here. I'm gonna ask a little bit more. It takes emotional work and emotional labor. That's hospitality. Listening deeper to another person. Yeah, Maybe that's another thing about hospitality because you'll discover listening is so hard. Researchers say that 90% people listen while figuring out what to say next. And simply listen. Listen for the sake of listening. Even if you won't know what to say next, just listen. And most people feel very much served by being listened to, more than being spoken to, right? Maya Angelou said, the greatest tragedy is a story that never gets told. And I think she wants, she wants us to get at this idea that everybody wants to tell their story. Hospitality, are you there to listen? Stopping by someone, on your way home, inviting someone for a cup of coffee. So you do not need to have a big house. Yeah, You just need to have a big heart that is looking for all this opportunity to make space for another. Making that call, making that visit, checking in on someone, on and on and on, you will discover endless ways of being hospitable. And here's the thing that Peter uses uh, in this verse. The tagline is, be hospitable to one another without what? Without complaining, why does he do that? Because it's not easy to be hospitable. People are stubborn, you're busy, it requires a huge investment on your part. Yeah, in all ways, in time, in emotional energy, um, and people are difficult. So we are not stepping into hospitality eagerly and cruising. We are feeling the pinch of it, right? But he says, just do it willingly, cultivate that posture. And then Peter continues with this. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Right? And that is at the heart of what stewardship is. Whose are you? Whose is everything that you own and that you have? It is God's. Yeah? He says like good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everything we have is a grace. Your very life is a grace. And so our postures, our human journey is a journey of stewarding. 
every minute, every moment, every gift. And he says what? Serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. So he emphasizes the idea of stewardship again. We have all that we have so that we can channel it into the service of the common good. So when we work hard, when we work wisely, when we are creative and generative in all the ways that God blesses us, one of the ideas we should be asking ourselves is, how am I putting this into the service of the other? Yeah? Stewardship is not just about our finances. It's about our possessions, about our, uh, our positions. It's about our talents. It's about our presence. It's about our networks. It's about saying, God, everything I have is as grace. You have blessed me this far. How can I give some more? When you look out throughout the sweep of scripture, God was always concerned about those who had less. And one of the concepts he introduced to the children of Israel is an aspect of leaving some, leave some margin, leave some part that is untended. When we were talking about the story of Ruth, we discovered that she went to pick grain in a farm. They would leave for those who do not have. You know, that's a practical way of the, a metaphor that we can use for all our lives. Every gift I have, what am I leaving for someone else? What am I using to bless and to serve another? So what we have and what we generate is for the purpose of it flowing to be a blessing to one another over and over again. That is the idea, idea behind stewardship. So when we were beginning this church, one of the core values that came to us is, is a core value we call stewarding generously. Stewarding generously. And here's a little write-up that we have about that core value. We diligently and creatively nurture and care for all that has been lovingly entrusted to us. I think it was just inspired by this idea. Everything is a grace. So God's love is generous and abundant. As a community stewarding generously, we are responsible. We are nurturing, thoughtful, and caring. We are resourceful, creative, and generative. We are diligent and excellent. We are giving. When we do so, we are better placed to create more goodness, beauty, and truth in our world through our lives and through our ministry. Because love cultivates and gives. When you think about it, the idea behind stewardship is that God is always giving of himself. Genesis 1 is a story of God who's just blessing and giving. That is the idea behind God. And he creates human beings and says, let us continue this work. Be fruitful and multiply to bless and to give. So even for us to be gathered here as a church, we, we want to awaken something that life is such a gift and when we steward it well, when we steward what we have, it keeps giving and blessing into the future. And that's what we want. That's what we hope for. So our core values are not just something that um, we embody when we are here. It's something we hope we will carry on into the outside. So the gifts we have, the gifts we are, the gift you are, can keep being a blessing for one another here and beyond, and that is what we have been called. So our resurrection movement is a movement of stewards, you and I, and you steward for the sake of generosity and blessing one another. So let's pray.
gracious and loving God, giver of life, giver of every good and pleasing gift, full of grace, full of mercy, full of love, overflowing in goodness. That's who you are, oh God. That's how you do your things. So here we find ourselves this moment, blessed with life, blessed with our own individual uniqueness, blessed with our own family uniqueness and position, blessed with all manner of gifts at work, in our businesses, with our resources, with our gifts, with our talents. We rejoice and we give you thanks for all the ways you have blessed us. They are all a grace. So Lord, this morning we pray for wisdom to be good stewards of that, to handle it with diligence and responsibility and creativity and generativeness so that these blessings can continue growing and thriving so that the gift that we are, the gifts that we have, can continue being a blessing to one another here and beyond. In this moment, in this season of history, in these times that are so uncertain and complex and challenging, allow us to step there with a greater sense of stewardship. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.